Good morning, family. I hope at the end of uh, the service today, we will all say, I I serve. Today we launch I serve. We are moving away from uh, what used to be our volunteer Sunday because we want to change the culture. You know, uh, serving is not just lies of fair volunteerism. Serving is worship unto the Lord. It is when we serve with our gifts and talents that we are worshiping God. If you didn't know that, we are serving with our gifts and talents. The scripture that they mentioned there, I love it so much. For the Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve, and he became a ransom for many. So if Jesus was the servant, who are we not to serve? We are all called to be servants of the Most High. So I'm really stoked to see uh, us changing the 80-20 principle. Did you hear that even in the church there's 80-20? That there's only 20 people who serve in the church? And then others, they come in and they enjoy the coffee. Talking about coffee, talking about coffee, I don't know if you've noticed that there was a shift in the spirit in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. There's just been a shift as we've been praying, as we've been seeking the Lord. There's just been something happening as we've been fasting and praying and seeking God. So I want to challenge you all to just continue to go deep. The prayer and fasting is not just for beginning of the year. Every first Thursday of the month, we pray, we fast, and we have our worship night. And I want to encourage you to join us in doing that. So right now, I want to give a shout out to those who haven't touched coffee for 20 days. Let's give them a sh- I see those hands. I see those hands. Come on, B. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am one of those. You know, like last week, Saturday, my daughter offered me coffee. I was like, I'm still doing this thing, baby. So this is us tomorrow. This is us tomorrow. When that first sip of coffee touches your soul. <laughs> I know some people are technical. They're like, no, 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 21 actually ends tomorrow. So the coffee is only on Tuesday. I'm not religious. Uh, <laughs> the reason we do this, I, I, I really like what Donald said. He's one of the guys who works here at the office. He says, uh, coffee is not my God. Food is not my God. And I'm going to go under discipline to discipline my body so I can remind it that Jesus is God. Jesus is the Lord of my life, and we put him first before everything. Amen. So coffee is not my God. Friends, today we are excited um, to mention that every nation Bryanston is launching out. <laughs> Pastor Sevu and Marsha. Out in Bryanston uh, today at 5 p.m., they'll be starting, and we're so excited. They've had over 150 people already, so the venue is getting small. <laughs> Before they even launched, they had a pre-service launch uh, services the last two weeks. Today, we end off our sermon series on grace, but we will continue to touch on the topic of grace throughout the course of the year, because we believe that God wants to take us deeper in understanding grace. God wants us to have a deeper revelation and understanding of what this essence of our Christian belief is, the word grace. So today we talk about grace to serve, stewarding His grace. We all have been given grace. When you read Ephesians 4 verse 7, it says, We have all been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So grace is a great equalizer. All of us, we have been graced. It's not just a few. It's not just those who are here on the stage. All of us, we've been given grace. The question is, what are you doing with that grace that has been given to you? Let me remind you a bit of recap for 
where we came from, we started by giving a definition of what is grace. Grace is the undeserved, unmerited, unearned kindness and favor of God. It is undeserved, it's unmerited kindness and favor of God. Last week, uh, Quentin took us through Titus 2, verse 11, helping us to understand when the Bible says that for the grace of God has appeared to all men, bringing salvation, and it trains us to say no to worldly passion and ungodliness so that we can live self-controlled, upright lives before the Lord. So the thing about grace is it saves, it enables, and it empowers. Grace saves, enables, and grace empowers. And today when we look at the power of grace to enable us, to empower us, you will notice that all have been given gifts to be able to worship God with our gifts because it is through His grace that we can do what we can do. It is through His grace. Uh, Two weeks ago, Pastor Roger spoke to us about how grace gives us intimacy, identity, and inheritance. The grace of God is that very supernatural enablement, that very divine empowerment that we get only from our God. So today, our text is uh, from Romans chapter 12. I'm going to first read chapter, verse 1 and 2, and then we'll continue from there. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we read the scripture, I bring your attention to the fact that our response to grace and mercy is the same motivation that gets us to serve. Our response to what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, our response is worship. Our response is, God, what can we do back for you? And God actually doesn't need anything back from us. The only thing that we can do that God cannot do for Himself is worship. That's the only thing we can do. So our response is our motivation. We serve not because Pastor Sai said we must serve. We serve not because we know that God is going to bless us. We serve because of what He has done. In view of God's mercy, in view of His grace, we present our bodies as living sacrifices. This is what I call intrinsic motivation. Something is brewing inside here that makes me to serve Him. It is a transformed and a grateful heart that made me to bring my offering before the Lord. It is a transform. I mean, let me just be very real with you. I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for His grace. I wouldn't be married and even having children if it wasn't for His grace. I wouldn't be having a job if it wasn't for His grace. I don't think I would even be alive as someone who attempted to commit suicide if it wasn't for His grace. So when we understand the power of His grace to transform us, to make us better people, it will push us to serve in view of His mercy. And this, that verse starts by saying, therefore. It means something has happened before. He died for us on the cross. In view of His mercy, therefore, we will present our bodies as living sacrifices under Him. 
extrinsic motivation, what gets us to serve Him is not only what is happening internally, is that we want to see a transformed world. As Scripture has just told us now, that a transformed mind will lead to a transformed world. It is when we get saved and we are discipled, there is a transformation that takes place. You may have heard me say this over and over again, that the hope for our nation, the only hope for our world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only hope we have. I've been involved in so many transformation initiatives to bring change in South Africa. And every time we get to that transformation, I realize that unless a heart is transformed, unless the mind is transformed, we're wasting time. We need to transform the mind and the heart because that's what will stop you from doing corrupt acts. That's what will stop you from committing crime. That's what will stop you from falling over and over into sin. It is when your mind and your heart is transformed. Therefore, a transformed heart and a transformed mind will transform the world. So let me, let me remind you the vision of this church, what God has called us as every nation, Johannesburg. God has called us to see lives, communities, and society transformed in what? Through discipleship in the Word, in the presence and the power of God. So we see transformation coming, but that transformation comes through discipleship. We want to see transformation of minds and hearts, and it comes through discipleship. So in a nutshell, God has called us here in Johannesburg to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. God has called us to not put the lamp under the basket, but to put it on the table to shine here in Johannesburg so that people's lives may be transformed. So if that's what we are called to do, our saving and saving to God is motivated by these two things that I've been transformed and I want to see a transformed world. I have been changed and I want to see a changed world. So that is why we say God has called us here in Joburg to be a transformed people that will transform the city of Joburg. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So let's continue with this text. And I want us to unpack and get to an understanding of this enablement that comes through grace. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not some of you, everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we are many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so Though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace, again, given to us, let us use them. According to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our saving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So friends, even though this may be our text for today, I want to mention to you that there's about 28 gifts of the Spirit in the word. And today we're just looking at the grace gifts from this text, but I want to encourage you, if you don't know what your gifts are on our website, if you go to Every Nation Rosebank, under our resources, we have 
a, a gift test there that you can be able to take to know what your gifts are. These questionnaires are very helpful to know what your gifts are, and it will also help you to be able to know how to serve in the local church. So I want to just bring your attention first, first to verse 3 that we've just read. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but with sober judgment, with sober judgment, to think of himself each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So that first phrase, I see Apostle Paul taking pen and paper and writing to the Romans. Remember the Romans uh, three weeks ago and I spoke about the, the church in Rome, it was a mixture of uh, the Gentiles and the Jews, and uh, the Jews were trying to bring in a Mosaic law and uh, trying to be very religious. And uh, the Greeks, having been set free by grace, they did not know what are all these things that we need to do. Now, Paul is writing to help them understand that everything that you do, you do by grace. Everything that you are, it's by grace. So I'm amazed by how Apostle Paul, every time he writes, he starts by saying, for by the grace given to me. So let me give you a challenge. Go and do a word study on grace. You will see how many times Apostle Paul, he will start by saying, for by grace given to me. So when he speaks like that, it says to me, this man has a deeper understanding and a deeper revelation of that he's the, he is what he is because of God's grace. He is standing because of God's grace. You know, I'm going to just give you two verses that will help you understand the revelation that Apostle Paul was living with here. He says, I am the least of apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, he goes again. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. It means His grace has done a great work in me. It was, not in great, it was not in vain. It's transformed me to be who I am today. His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder, no laziness. I worked harder because some people use grace as a ticket not to work. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. That's amazing. Paul is saying, everything that I am, everything that I do, it's the grace of God. Everything that even comes out of my mouth, it is because of the grace of God. It is my prayer that we will get to understand this depth of the grace that comes, undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor and kindness of God. It is my prayer that we understand that it is the grace of God that enables, that empowers. Again, Apostle Paul comes and he says, according to the grace given to me, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. When you read it in NIV, it says, let each one be careful how they build on this foundation. But again, he starts by saying, according to the grace of God given to me, I became skilled. I'm a skilled master builder because of his grace. It is my prayer that we will understand that the grace of God enables, the grace of God empowers us. The grace of God helps us to be who God has called us to be. 
as we continue to look at this, I bring your attention to the second phrase. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think with sober judgment. Now, this is very interesting, this phrase, think with sober judgment. I don't know if you know a phrase that says, as sober as a judge. I don't know where that came from, because not many judges are sober. <laughs> Just speaking for the context I've been around. But when it says, but think with sober judgment, it's to say, do not get intoxicated with your gifting. So we all are gifted we all have, we're going to unpack just now the measure of gifting that we have, but before we get there, do not get intoxicated by your gifting. Because some people, they have allowed their giftings to actually put them and give them a certain status. Do not get intoxicated with your gifting. Remain humble. Remain humble. And it says, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You know, I like that phrase because when it says each, every one of us, we have grace given to us according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, that word measure is in Greek a word called metron, and it's the word where we get meter, a unit of measurement, and also fulcrum. That's why I've given you that picture of a fulcrum. I don't know if it's man-made or it looks man-made. So... As I was looking at that picture and thinking of the word measure of faith, it makes me understand when Apostle Paul was writing to us that we've been given a measure of faith as God has assigned. It means that the level of your faith will determine the level of your gifting. The measurement of your faith will determine the measurement of your gifting. So it means if you grow your faith, you will also grow your gifting. And reciprocally, if you exercise your gift, it will grow your faith. I like that. So it means if you're sitting down with your faith, you're robbing yourself. You're not robbing anyone else. Yes, we might miss your gift here in the local congregation, but you're also robbing yourself because as, as your gift is going down, your faith is going down. But as you build your faith, you're building your gift. You know, Scripture says, how do we build faith? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. If you're a King James Version fan, you'll say, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing cometh by the word of God. Sounds very anointed, right? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing cometh by the word of God. So if you want to build your faith, get into the word. If you want to build your faith, get into the word. And then again, it speaks about, in, in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Do not only be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. Otherwise, you're going to end up deceiving yourself. So as we do the word, as we apply the word, we are building our faith, and we are building our gifting. Let, let's, let, let's put it this way. The measure of faith determines the measure of gifting. So maybe someone might ask the question, are, are you saying, Pastor Sai, that, I can increase my faith. Yes, you can. We've all been given a measure of faith, and then you can increase your faith. Remember Luke 17, the disciples, they come to Jesus Christ, and they say to him, Lord, how do we deal with this thing of forgiveness? And he says, well, if someone comes and sins against you seven times in one day, you must forgive them. 
And they say in response, Lord, increase our faith. So it means our faith can be increased. So I'm giving you a challenge. If you want to increase your faith, serve. If you want to increase your faith, exercise your gift. I think it was um, John Piper who put it this way. Exercise your gift. Don't let it lie dormant. Take hold of it by faith and use it. Exercise your gift. Don't let it lie dormant. Take hold of it by faith. That picture is my glorified body one day when I get to heaven. Dorian is close enough. Dorian is working on it. <laughs> the, the takeaway from this is exercise your gift. Just like you would exercise to build your muscles, if you want to build your faith, what do you do? You exercise your gift. First start by knowing your gifts and then exercise your gift. And as you exercise your gift, that's when you're building your faith. Now, the last minutes we have, we're going to look at the seven gifts. And the way I want to look at these gifts, I want to also give you some examples of uh, people that I know that I see operate in these gifts because they've been exercising them. And the more they exercise the gifts, you can see the gifts been revealed. Verse 6, it starts by saying, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. That word troubles me. According to the grace given to us. There's a grace that's given to us. Let us use them. So when you understand that there's grace given to you, you're not going to sit down on your gift. You're not going to sit down with it. You're going to exercise it according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. So if prophecy, maybe you are gifted in the gift of prophecy. Let me start by giving a distinction between a fivefold gifted prophet and a person with the gift of prophecy. So a fivefold prophet, uh, a prophet is like when you read Ephesians 4.11, it speaks about he's given some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and number five, evangelists. So he's given them these gifts. To equip the saints. So the role of the fivefold, yes, they may prophesy, but their role is to equip the saints for the works of service. Are we together? And those with a prophetic gift, it is the ick at the end, as Steve Morrow will say, Pastor Steve would like to say, the ick at the end is, it means that you may not be a prophet, but you're prophetic. You have a gift of prophecy. And if you have a gift of prophecy, there are two things that prophecy does. It is for foretelling and it's for forthtelling. Foretelling, most prophets are able to help us see the future that God has for us. And then also forthtelling is what I like about prophecy is some things that we say, it's a declaration of what will be. It wasn't going to happen until that word comes out. So a prophecy can create. Every word that comes from the Lord has got the ability in itself to create that which God has said it must happen. Remember how the world was created. Every word that comes out of the Lord has the ability in, its own, in itself to create what God is saying. So those with a prophetic gift, don't sit down with your prophetic gift. We have prophetic ministry. If you didn't know, after baptisms, the guys who've just been baptized, the prophetic ministry just ministered over them, gave them prophetic words. Ministry team, you can serve in the ministry team, praying for people. We've had testimony after testimony of people looking for jobs and praying over them and trusting God with them and God coming through. So when you have a gift of prophecy, the Bible says, in proportion to our faith. It didn't say in proportion to your faith. 
in proportion to our faith. It means that every prophetic word must be in line with our faith, must be in line with the Word of God. There will never be a prophecy that is against the Word of God or against the will of God. That's why prophecy must be tested. And some are given the gift of service and let them serve. You know, people with the gift of service is people who find greater joy in serving. It's people who have unusual fruitfulness as they serve. I mean, I look around this church. I see so many people with this gift of serving. I think of Brian and Karen who serve in the hosting team. And they're so passionate. You see just a smile in their face, serving with a smile. Our hosting teams, ushering, door greeting, people serving in the bookshop, people serving in the coffee shop. I had to stop there for a little bit. <laughs> Lord, bless those who serve in the coffee shop. My wife is saying she's praying for deliverance. <laughs> in all areas where we serve, we are exercising our gifts, even saving. It's a spiritual gift. It's our act of worship unto the Lord. We serve with our gifts. If it is in teaching, one who teaches and exhorts, he must teach with the gift that God has given him. You know, teaching is uh, people who are able to unpack the word so that it brings understanding and application of the word. You know, when I think of Lereko, he's one of our fivefold uh, teacher in the word. If you've, if you've listened to Lereko teach, you know, teachers are those people who like to research scripture, who like to go deep in scripture. And maybe you're sitting here, you like to research, and you didn't even know you have a gift of teaching. And you can use it in so many ways in the church, whether it's kids' church, at youth, victory weekend, leadership 115, leadership 215. Exercise your gift. Use your gift in order to build your faith by the grace that was given to you. Before I continue on this uh, gift, uh, maybe you're wondering, so Pastor Sai, what is your fivefold gift? Normally you have all five of them, but you, you'll have them at varying degrees. So I, I'm a fivefold pastor. So as a fivefold pastor, as a shepherd, I enjoy doing baby dedications, weddings, when people get married. I enjoy those kind of things. Even, even, even funerals, I'm there. So I look after you from birth to death. That's my job. I do it with a smile. You know, I'm saying this, some guys will tell in the front row, like when someone is asking, can someone do a wedding? Can someone do a funeral? Like everyone is like looking down. I'm like, I'm there. Just this last Friday, I got a call. Actually, I got a call on Thursday. There's this lady who passed away, this law firm, sad story, sad, sad story. And they called someone from our church. They said, we need someone to conduct a memorial service at this law firm, big name, and we need a pastor. I'm there. Friday, I left the guys in the elders meeting. I'm there. I am there for that family. Let's, con let's comfort these people. But the chair of this company gives me his card. And I'm like, I've got a new disciple. Right there. I've got a new disciple. Right there. When the people need a shepherd and a pastor, you exercise your gift. You exercise your gift. And that's how we're going to transform the city. It is if exhortation. Let them exhort. So exhortation is encouragement. Use your gift to encourage others. That word exhortation in, in, 
in, in, in Greek is parakeleo. I consulted with my Greek friend. Parakeleo, it means one who comes closer to encourage you. And it was taken from when the runners were running, the people would come alongside them and tell them that you can do this. And I remember the story. One day, I mean, like if you run, like I've been trying to run, right? So when you run and then you get these guys who run together, it's called a bath. They run together because they encourage each other. They even get to the point where they sing. Saul, you love that. They sing with one another to finish their comrades marathon. And as I was thinking and pondering about, I mean, these guys, one time I joined them and they start calling me top runner. You can imagine what happens inside there. Like, they call me top runner. They call me top runner. Like, they have no clue. Like, I'm the 5K guy. I'm the 10K guy. They're like, come on, top runner. There is something that happens when that gift of exhortation, that gift of exhortation, you know, like, so if you see me and you just say top runner, come on, you've just, you've just blessed me right there. Anyway, I'm working on my knee injury. I'm trusting God for healing so I can run again. But there's something about encouragement that just say, you can do this. And remember that, by the way, the Holy Spirit is a helper, paracletos. He comes alongside us and he encourages us to exercise our gifts. Amen. Exhortation. And then contributes one who gives. Those with the gift of giving in generosity, they must give with generosity. I was struggling with this gift for many years because it feels like all of us in the word, we are called to give. But there are those who have the special gift of giving. And the more I study it, I realize that actually it's people that will choose to live a simple life so that they can give. So, so they might get the same salary we get. They might be blessed in their businesses, but they choose to live a simple life so that they can give. They can give generously. And I think about Roger and Nicola. They've been friends for many years, you know. I remember when we were getting married, you know, it was those times where people used to sign checks. Roger signing a check for a gift for our marriage, for a wedding. The one time I traveled with Roger to the U.S. and we were sharing a room. And every morning, he has this uh, protein shake that he was drinking for breakfast. And when you go out to lunch with other people, he takes the bill. And then I'm thinking, dude, the money that you're paying for everyone, we could have had breakfast with this money. Why are you paying for everyone? You know, I'm just making the calculation here. Why would you choose to have protein shake in the morning? We could have gone for breakfast. You know, like in, in the U.S., most of the hotels, breakfast is not covered. We are blessed here. You don't know. You have no idea. So you have to pay for your breakfast, pay for lunch. And Roger chooses to pay for everyone. But I learned something out of that. He will inconvenience himself in order to be a blessing to others. I've seen the gift of giving modeled in front of me. Choosing to live a simple life in order to be a blessing. The one who leads must lead with zeal. Now, the gift of leadership, if you go back to the Greek, it helps us understand that we think of leadership as just uh, people with authority, people with position. But the actual definition of leadership is one who stands out in going first. One who stands out in going first. When there's a crisis, one who stands out in going first. A leader is not one who stands here and says, go and reach your neighborhood and your communities and your colleagues. 
will pray for you. A leader is one who goes out and they do it. That's leadership. And they say the one who leads must lead with zeal. Zeal, we normally think that it's passion. But if you go to the root meaning of the word, it's one who goes with speed. So speed meaning that I'm first to get there. I'm first to lead. I want to lead by example. One who does the acts of mercy, acts of kindness, they must do it with cheerfulness. I think of uh, our Havens ministry and the work that they do. David and Caroline Webb. I don't know if anyone has ever seen Caroline Webb mad or angry. (laughs) You know, there's something about when you are in the habit of giving acts of mercy, showing cheerfulness. I mean, Caroline Webb keeps oranges, fruit in her car to constantly be giving to people. When you start to exercise the gift, you do it with cheerfulness and not with grumbling. There is another gift that I want to mention that is not here. In uh, First uh, Peter chapter 4, it's uh, the gift of hospitality. First Peter chapter 4 verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. As good steward of God's varied grace. So again, when we exercise our gifts, we are actually exercising our grace and our faith. It, it says here, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. You know, I know a lot of people in this church who have got a gift of hospitality. And my wife is one of them. God bless her soul. While we were fasting, we had people come over from Cape Town for dinner who were not fasting. She cooked up a storm for them. I'm like, baby, don't you even like taste the food? I'm like, I have great respect for my wife, the gift of hospitality. Carol Kelly, I think I saw her here. She also has a gift of hospitality. She's always having people over for dinner. Can we come on Friday? Just. <laughs> the fasting is over. All of us have got some gift. Let us use it in proportion to the faith that God has given us. So, in this church, we challenge everyone not to be a critic, but to be the man in the arena. So this is uh, what I close with. It is not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there's no effort without error or shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who know great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in worthy cause, who at the best knows the end of triumph, of high achievement, and who at the worst If he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. We don't want to be like this. People who are just critics, who are just like, I wonder how the sermon is going to be like today. I wonder how worship is going to be like today. But the men in the arena, the women in the arena, is those who exercise their gifts. We're going to close the service slightly different today. Um, 
one of the ways we can respond to this word is by just saying, it's for others and not for me. But we're going to give you an opportunity. We have this form here that gives you an opportunity to sign up for whether you can serve on a Sunday or you can serve during the week with our events, missions, and social responsibility. And uh, you can go to the tables at the back. If you want to get more information, they'll explain to you. This form here is for those who want to join in to sign up to serve somewhere. Uh, also, if you've already been serving and you just want to uh, update your details, you can fill the form. But I also want to challenge you in the area of giving. Last year at the AGM, I mentioned that um, we want to help those who are struggling to pay for their fees, uh, university fees. And uh, there's a few people who've come together and they've put together Every Nation Education Fund. And this is specifically for if you're feeling like you can give once off for someone who needs to register. This is the time of registration. We can be able to give towards that. You can take a picture of that or on our website under giving, the details are there. You can speak to Kathland or Zinn to get more details or contact Sinako in the office. The reason we do this is there are people in our congregation who may not be able to exercise their gifts because of finances, and we don't want that to happen. Just this last Thursday, we paid for one of the Tandanani car guards to complete his UNISA financial management studies. I'm grateful to God for that. I'm grateful to God. We also got to pay for one of the Haven's children who's completed matric and going to university. We don't want them to end up on the streets. Please go ahead and play the video. Today is I Serve Sunday. And we're going to tell you more information about the different ministries you can sign up for. If you're passionate about the word, music, and discipleship, can sing, play an instrument, sure. or do sound, the worship ministry needs you. Hosting speakers and facilitators, signing in attendees, and running presentations is what our events department does. If you are available during the week or after hours, join the team. The members of this team release the love, presence, and power of God through praying for healing, deliverance, and victory through our ministry moments and our services. If you have done Biblical Foundations, Victory Weekend, and are a member of a connect group, please join our ministry team. The Havens provides homes, loving nurture, and the hands of Christ to heal and bring wholeness to the souls and bodies of children from the most difficult of circumstances. We always need people to come and assist at our bookshop. And if you love books, this is the place to come and help. From the moment you walk through our doors until the moment you leave our parking lot, we strive to ensure that everyone feels connected and welcome. We do this through ushering, door greeting, guest welcome, and so much more. So if you're passionate about connecting with people, sign up today. Our kids ministry raises up children and leaders as disciples of Jesus giving you a great opportunity to grow as a leader while discipling kids. If you love God and love kids, join the team. This ministry aims to enhance our Sunday worship experience through using visual arts as well as photography to enhance our Sunday worship experience. Whether an artist or a photographer, we aim to capture moments, moments with God and moments between spiritual family. We're available on Sunday services and midweek events where needed. Malibongwe helps women who have children and no way of earning a living by training them and placing them in suitable employment or helping them start a home business. Nations Cafe serves our congregation by providing them with great food 
warm beverages and an opportunity to connect with one another. We're looking for people to help out as barristers for which we will provide the training or as cashiers. So if you love food or love exploring different snacks, perhaps it's time to talk to us and join the team. Transformation Freiredorp. This is a program that runs an after-school homework care center for the children of Freiredorp to study in a peaceful and safe environment. We also do discipleship in our new home. And on Fridays, we've got lovely sport activities that remind children what it's like to be a child. Change your life. Change the church. Change the world. If this sentence gets you fired up, then you should consider joining our missions team. Tandanani is our car guard initiative to help empower disadvantaged men in our community. We're looking for men to support, mentor, and guide these men into their God-given purpose. Heaven rejoices when one soul enters the kingdom. If you love to encourage, empower, and celebrate new believers, then new salvation follow-up is for you. At Homebase, we work with vulnerable and orphaned youth over the age of 18 to help unlock their full potential. We're looking for volunteers to help us with our career guidance and with our Workbase Academy, which provides hospitality training and life skills. If you believe you have a skill that can support young people, please, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Encounter Youth is looking for people with a passion and heart for the teenagers of today, building relationship with and mentoring them on Friday evenings and Sunday mornings while serving and being blessed in return. The Lighting and Multimedia team is a vibrant group of people that ushers the congregation into the presence of God using exciting visuals and media. Join our team today. The Crisis team responds to crisis situations in our city and beyond, extending a loving hand when it's needed the most. It could provide things such as emergency care packs, medical care, food, and counseling. Join our crisis team today. That's on standby 24-7. It's really easy to sign up. For more information about each of the ministries, visit the tables in the foyer. Don't forget to bring your cards with and tick once you've made a decision. Also join us for orientation Saturday, which will be the 1st of February next week. I said Sunday! Sunday.